Hey, guys, it's so good to be with you this morning. Isn't it wonderful to be in the presence of God? It, it is. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's so good. I've so enjoyed just worshiping with you and uh, uh, just being here. So uh, sensed in my heart as, as the tongue was coming out and various uh, interpretations of words coming out. You know, this whole thing, um, when I was in prayer this morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, that scripture in the prophets, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. And uh, I just have a, a sense that there are those amongst us here where the Lord is, is wanting to do a real work of restoration in, in people's hearts. Uh, you know, we're spirit, soul, and body is what the scripture says. First Thessalonians 5.23. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, whole, and intact Somebody said, nothing missing, nothing broken, until that day you know, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The Lord is committed to us, and he's committed to do that work in us. But he also wants us, of course, it's a partnership. It's a, you know, it's a relationship. And so we've got to be willing to let him into those areas where we may have kept him out, where he may have you know, kept things closed in to our hearts in fear, perhaps, or, or shame, or whatever it is. And, you know, but I have a sense of the Lord just wanting to, to bring healing into those places, a healing into relationships, healing into marriages and families and hearts. Um, you know, uh, very often they say people who are broken on the inside or hurt, hurt others uh, very often. And when we get healed up on the inside, then we relate so much easier to others. Uh, and, and if we're hiding things in shame and stuff like that, it's very hard to relate in reality. It's true. Uh, I can remember when I was a teenager, I don't know if you ever had this in South Africa, but in England, uh, where, when I was a, a young lad, they used to have this, um, you remember Kodak cameras, don't they still have Kodak cameras, but in those days, Kodak had these uh, had this amazing camera that, that, you know, you could just photo and it immediately produced the, the photo for you. And they advertised it with this very good-looking lady, you know, who, who used to, you know, wear a bikini and stand there and she would take this picture and do some tropical island or something. And, uh, and actually, if you, uh, if you went to a chemist or something like that, a shop in England where they were selling these Kodak cameras, because they did in those days in chemists, uh, they would have a big cardboard cutout of this lady standing outside. And I I can remember as a teenager going up and saying, I thought she looked very beautiful, and I, I wanted to have a conversation, but the problem is she never talked back, you see. <laughs> and, and, and the trouble is, is that some people are like that because they are so hurt on the inside by life, and they really look good on the outside, but the level of communication, it really doesn't come from the heart because they're afraid to let somebody in. Because all the pain, and it's interesting that the Greek word for fellowship Koinonia, many, many uh, Greek, uh, many theologians speaking of the Greek, say that the best way to describe it is to let down the drawbridge of your heart and let someone else in. And of course, that's risky, isn't it? It can be risky, especially in our world today. You never know what your share is going to be on social media the next day. But the fact about it is that the Lord wants to bring healing and release in some of our hearts and our lives today. And so, um, you know, I, I just... Uh, I'm going to invite Zan to come and share his testimony, and then I'm going to come back and preach to you. Um, Zan, I just really need to say this. This needs to be 10 minutes, <laughs> okay? Because I've got to get this word over. 
But, uh, but I want to introduce, if you don't know Zan yet, Zan grew up in this area. He is a South African guy. He is one of your best exports to the UK. And, uh, and the Lord's done an amazing work in his life, and he works as part of our team today, as well as, of course, his job back here. He lives in Peterborough. We go to the same church, and uh, he's a cracking evangelist, and God's really using him. And I thought it'd be great for him to share his story, because it, it's going to touch some people's hearts and lives here today. Uh, but, you know, um, can I just say that uh, before I go any further, I just, in that tongue, I kept hearing in my, do you know, what the scripture says that when we speak in the tongue, we speak to God. We speak to God. The tongue is not actually in its interpretation of prophecy. It is actually speaking to God. But it stirs up the prophetic gift at the same time, which is why sometimes it can be a little bit confusing, you know, when somebody prophesies after there is a tongue. And people think, well, that was the tongue. Actually, that probably wasn't the interpretation of the tongue. But nonetheless, the prophetic gift was stirred up while the tongue was being given. So, but actually, the interpretation of a tongue is actually speaking to God, because that's what the Scripture says. And so it's really, you know, and I kept hearing in my heart while that's going out, and that cry for holiness. The Spirit of God was so on us since she was giving that tongue. And there is that cry for holiness, but holiness means wholeness too. Uh, it's very hard to live a holy life without being whole. Anybody ever discovered that? <laughs> because the trouble is, is that the pain on the inside keeps leading you towards finding comfort in the wrong places instead of in the Lord. You know, when you find your comfort in the Lord, you walk in freedom. But if you look you know, to find comfort in the wrong place, you get bondage. As the Lord wants to bring wholeness and holiness, it goes side by side. Otherwise, you know, if you get holiness without wholeness, you tend to have legalism. But the wholeness comes through grace, the grace of God. There's grace and truth, and these things work together to set us free. And so the Lord wants to bring you into an encounter. But I kept hearing while she was, I was at the back there enjoying the worship. And, uh, and you know, I, I just kept hearing in my heart, the kind of, oh, my soul rejoices, rejoices in the Lord who heals and restores the broken heart. That my soul rejoices in the one who heals the wounded and sets the captive free. That my heart rejoices in he who heals the home and restores marriages. Who makes the brokenhearted whole and brings forth a song. And lifts up those who are in the ashes. And raises them up from the miry clay and sets their feet up on a rock. And puts a new song in their mouth, even praise unto their God. And many shall come and they shall see. And they shall give praise unto our God. For in these days he is raising up an army. He he is raising up a mighty host who will bring his glory and his love and his power to the nation and the nations. And this is a time of wholeness. And this is a time of new beginnings. It is a time of freedom. It is a time of joy where you'll leave behind the old and enter into the new in fullness. Glory to God. Amen. I kept hearing it in my heart, and I want to just say, open up to the Lord today as you hear Zan's testimony and as I come back to talk to us about faith for breakthrough. Amen. Shall we give God praise? Amen. Bless you, Zach. Praise God. Jesus is Lord. And um, yeah, so I, I grew up here. I'm born and bred in South Africa. And um, so, you know, I moved to, to the UK in 2005, and I've been in the UK for 17 years. Um, I have a beautiful wife and two, two handsome young lads, uh, 13 and, and 9. Um, they've just gone back now because the school season starts, and uh, so I'm here for a little bit longer. Um, my sister is over there. I'm just going to give her honor, and I'm really, really, uh, really proud of my, my sister, Natasha, 
and what God has done in her life. And uh, there's a lot of testimony in all of this. It's a long, long story, but it's, it's all good. So, um, <clears throat> so I, I uh, grew up uh, wanting to be kind of like normal, like everyone wants to be normal. Everyone wants to kind of just get on with life, enjoy life, and, and, and so on. Uh, but there was one little problem. I grew up, my, my parents and, uh, and wider family were involved in occultism and, and New Age. And um, basically, I grew up in, in fear and in torment. Um, I, was, I grew up with, with demonic oppression uh, through my life. My grandfather was, was extremely high up in Freemasonry. And, um, and, and, you know, besides all that, and a lot of that was connected in. Um, but I experienced physical demonic torment as I was growing up. And most people wouldn't have really noticed that or known that, uh, because as a child you kind of get on with things, uh, but I grew up in that. Um, and the enemy really was oppressing me and my family, and I had no answers for this. I didn't know what those answers were. And life just got actually worse. Um, they, my, you know, as I got into it, you know, became a teenager. I myself got involved in New Age and occultism. I started seeking how, how to deal with these things, how to get rid of this darkness. I didn't have the answers. I couldn't find them. And the darkness seemed to just be stronger than anything. There was no answer for these things, for this darkness. Um, my dad eventually, like he became more and more of an alcoholic. There was sexual immorality in the family. There was abuse. There was all kinds of things going wrong. It just got darker and darker and darker. I didn't have answers. Um, by the time I was uh, going into my late teens, going into my uh, 19, 20, um, things were really dark. I mean, <laughs> we were just doing all kinds of witchcraft and muti to try and get rid of, rid of stuff. And it just got worse. It never got, got better, okay? But the power of God started to move that I couldn't see. God was already working in my life. He was already seeking and in my family. He was already reaching out to us. One night I was walking home from a friend's house, and it was about 2, 3 in the morning. And uh, in our school, in Table High School, we used to sing this song uh, called, Oh Lord my God, How Great Thou Art. And part of the verse is, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Oh Lord my God, how great thou art. And it stuck with me. Um, and I was walking home from a friend's house, and it was kind of winterish, if I remember correctly, it was cold. Um, and the stars were bright. I could see all the stars. It was one of those nights. And I looked up to the stars and I said, I said, God, if you are real, then show me who you are. And I cried out with my heart. I said, God, if you're real, show me who you are. I've, I've looked. I, I don't know where. You, I, I can't find you. Show me who you are. About in that week, and a, a, a friend of ours who was actually more into, into the occult than we were actually, said, hey, listen, she knew about our, our, our issues and what we were going through. And um, she said, why don't we try this church? We're going to you know, check out this church. They, they, can, they can deal with this stuff. They can sort it out. So I said in my heart, yeah, okay, I'm going to go. They're going to sort it out, and I'm going to leave. I don't want to be in a church. I don't want religion. I don't want any of that. I just want to get rid of this stuff. Okay, I wanted to know God. I didn't want religion. So I said in my heart, I'll go, get sorted out, come back, leave. <laughs> so literally about a week later, we went to this church. And when I walked into the door, somebody came up through the crowd and greeted me. They came and they shook my hand and they said, welcome. They looked me in the eye and they said, welcome. But it, 
I can't prove it to this day, but it was as if Jesus walked up to me and said, welcome. He looked me in the eye and said, welcome. And I, and I kind of put this to the side and I said, this is, I didn't want this to affect me. I didn't want to be impacted like this. And I kind of put it to the side. And that was in the atrium. And then when I walked in through to the door of the auditorium, they were praying on stage, you know. They were praying on, on stage. They were praying. They were going for it. They weren't just, you know, thank you, Lord, come, you know. They were praying. They were giving their all. And one of the, the guy with the mic, he was actually praying in tongues. When I walked through that door, power hit me. I physically felt power hit me. And, and it, I, I remember saying to myself, that, that's a powerful prayer. That prayer is powerful. What is that? That must be tongues. I didn't know what tongues were, but I, I, and it wasn't English and it wasn't whatever I'd ever heard. I, I said, this must be tongues. But I recognized the power. I felt that power hit me. And then I still didn't want it to affect me. I still didn't want to be touched by these things because I was just looking for getting rid of this stuff. And when we went into worship and we had praise and worship and it was, was, was good. It had, it had life. It had power. It, it, had, it had joy like we had today, right? I said, I can do this. This is good. This is not what I'm used to. I, I, I thought like uh, any church I'd ever been was dead. I was like, this was good. I can do this, you know? Then I sat, then after worship, it had ended and, and that, we all sat down. And one of the leaders or pastors must have said something like, every believer stand up. <laughs> it went over my head. I didn't hear it. I didn't register. But in that moment, the God that I had asked, I said, God, if you are real, show me who you are. He answered me in that moment because I was still sitting. And I was suddenly convicted of sin. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I had sin in my life. I knew that I was the one that was wrong. I knew that God was now speaking. I was suddenly in an, in an instant, in a split second, I was standing in eternity. Well, I was actually sitting, but I was in eternity with an eternal God. And this God was answering me. And he said, if you don't go to the front, this is his words to me, if you don't go to the front and confess me before, these, before men, I cannot call you like I'm calling them. And all these people were standing. I knew that God was answering and he was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. It is me. It is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that there's no other name but the name of Jesus by which men can be saved. He was answering me in my prayer right there and then. Before there was a preach, before anything, God spoke to me. And I knew what I had to do. And it was, it was, it was like split seconds, but it, it was like word after word after word. His word, he was just confirming. He was just saying, there is no other name but the name of Jesus by which men can be saved. Jesus is Lord. He, is, he, was, he was talking to me in a split second. And I knew who he was. And, and understand this, I was coming out of it. I was, I was an occultist. My mindset was, I don't need to be a Christian. I don't need Christianity. I don't need any of this. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so when I, when I it was quite a big church. Uh, actually, I don't know if you, you might know it, but it was uh, the lighthouse in Paro. Okay, or Durban, Belleville, and, and that area. But, um, but I still had to make a choice because he came to me with love. He said, 
if you don't go to the front, right? But he, it was his command, but in love. He gave me that I had to choose. I had to choose. Because he, could, he told me who he was, but I had to respond. And the response was actually coming to the front and saying, Yes, Jesus, I receive you into my life. And when I did, okay, <laughs> my destiny opened up in front of me. I knew I had destiny. I said to myself, why has this taken me so long? I did not know why this took so long. My mind, my eyes, my heart was open. And Jesus came in in that moment. And I had revelation of the name of Jesus. We sang on the name of Jesus. And I was crying my heart out this morning. Because the name of Jesus is, is above all. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And Satan has no, he's got nothing on Jesus. You see, I grew up thinking that God and the devil were like this, fighting. And the devil was winning. But, he won't, but God, Jesus loves you. And his name is above every name. He's the one that loves you. And his name has power to save you from whatever you're in. All those weeds, Jesus' name is above those weeds. You need to put his name over those weeds. I walked on the road that was called Crossroad. When I asked God, I said, God, if you are real, show me who you are. And the name of the road was Crossroad. The road where we lived. I didn't even realize it until like a little while ago. Crossroad. You know? Jesus loves you, and He is the one that saves you. And it's His name that is above every other name. If you're bound by demonic uh, like activity or, or anything in your life, the name of Jesus is above that. And God wants you to have revelation of that name of Jesus. Right? Jesus, 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 the name of Jesus. I'm going to stop there because you know, there's, I'm going to carry on if I don't. And, um, but, 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 you know, I just want to appeal to you today. If you don't know Jesus, this Jesus that did this work in my life, he can do the same thing for you. What Jesus did for me, he can do for you. And I just want to encourage you as you listen to, to, to John as he preaches today and he shares the message today, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Surrender your life to him if you've never done that before. And I want to share one thing if it's okay, John. I heard the words broken bones. I heard the words broken bones and was followed quite quickly by sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never harm me. And, so, and I feel like some of, the, some of you here, words have hit you and broken your, your, your bones spiritually. And God wants to heal you. So, just you know, later on, I, I hope we have time. We can pray and we can heal those broken bones. Okay. Bless you, and thank you for your time. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Lovely. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing amongst us this morning. We thank you that you are speaking clearly, Lord, into our hearts and into our lives, your word of freedom and wholeness. And Lord, it's, uh, it's Lord, a word not only of your salvation, but salvation in its fullest sense, Lord, of wholeness. Lord, of forgiveness of sin, of the gift of eternal life, the gift of righteousness. But, Father, God, also the healing of our soul and the, Lord, the healing of those broken places. Father, freedom and wholeness. 
And Lord, that we can rise up and enter into the destiny that you have for our lives. We bless you. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you will continue to move amongst us. Father, as I share your word, and Lord, as we come into a time of ministry, Father, that, uh, Lord, that there will be, Lord, just breaking off of every chain. Lord, a pulling up of those weeds, uh, a healing, Father, of areas that are, that are broken, a salvation, Lord, for those who don't yet know you. I pray, Lord, not one person would leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Look, if you have a Bible, can you turn with me to Mark chapter 5? Mark chapter 5. I really want to talk to you about faith for a breakthrough today, uh, faith for a breakthrough in your life, and uh, glory to God. Faith to come to Jesus. Jesus is our source, isn't he? Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who heals us, who delivers us, who makes us whole who releases us into the destiny that he created us for. And so we need to come to him with confidence and have faith in him. And so we're going to look about uh, what the Bible teaches about this. And, uh, you know, faith is such an exciting thing when people really get hold of it and come to God in faith. Nothing is impossible. Wow, that deserves a good amen. I, I, I want to really say nothing is impossible. When you believe God, when you really, when you believe God, you know, you may have 101 different things going on in your life and stuff that needs sorting out this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, if you have faith in Jesus to change that, he can sort it all out. Shoom, like that. Honestly, that's the truth. I mean, I, I, I'm all into, te- I, I believe that Jesus you know, uh, he, he heals inner pains and stuff like that. And I'm not against counseling and, and things like that and, and deliverance ministry and all of these things. I, but you know something is that sometimes the way we go about things, uh, you, you kind of think that you have to work through a long checklist of this, that, and the other, you know, to, to really get free or to really get healed up. And there's a place for all of that. Don't get me wrong. But there are times when you can just be touched by the Spirit of God and He can go through the whole list foom, 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 in a moment and, you're, and you are totally free. There's all gone, all dealt with instantly. Man, I, I, I can tell you, it's some of the stuff we, that we get up to in the body of Christ with all of these areas, uh, you know, and uh, you, uh, you just don't see it in the Gospels or in the book of Acts. And, you know, I, uh, I can remember in Burundi, a wild man coming to breaking chains under demonic strength and power. And, and it was a time in England when, you know, deliverance ministry had become, you know, a checklist of telling me about what your great-grandmother did and your grandma and your granddad and renounce this and confess this and... You know, and all of that. And as he came towards me to attack me and growling and all of this, and I was rolling in the head. I, I didn't think he was in the frame of mind to tell me about his great-grandma. But, but the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit can literally just, honestly, he can just meet with you. And as long as your heart is open to let him do whatever he wants to do, when you just come in faith to Jesus, he can sort it all out in a moment with an encounter with him. So come to Jesus in faith today. And, and, and let me say, you know, when real faith is alive on the inside, I, I'm going to teach you about faith this morning and about how to come to God in faith and have faith for a breakthrough. And we're, we're going to look at the Scriptures with us. And I, I think it's, it's all helpful 
And it's great. A lot of times when we teach the Word, we tend to teach things in such a way that it's clear so that we understand step by step and process and we understand the way something works. It's a bit like getting open, getting an engine open and explaining how that bit works. But actually, the, th the thing is, is that for most of us, we just need to turn the key and get in the car and it, the engine works and away we go. True? <laughs> So the, although I'm describing the components of it to you, I just want to know when you've really got faith for something, you know it. And when you act on it, you will encounter him. In fact, it's impossible to have genuine, God-given, God-born, conceived faith in your heart for something and not receive. Seriously. I can remember preaching in a church. I'll just tell you a quick testimony, by the way, of the way this kind of thing works. And you can see faith in someone. You really can see faith in them. And I, and I can remember because, you know, I, I was ministering in Shanklin on the Isle of Wight, which is a small island off the south coast of, of England. And it was a united Reformed church, fairly staid church. Uh, I've got to tell you about the worship group that morning. It was not like the worship group this morning. Uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't it beautiful, the worship this morning? I, I, I loved it. You know, it was all in tune. They were all be singing beautifully, playing beautifully, and it was anointed. So that was great. Now, I'm telling you that because the church that night was completely the opposite. <laughs> and, and, and so I was a worship leader before I was a preacher. So I, I had the joy because of the ministry I worked with and trained under. So I used to lead worship for Derek Prince and Maya Shavder and these big conferences. And so it was a huge privilege. And so in those days, you know, I, if someone was out of tune, I could hear them five, six rows back. You know, it was like that. Uh, and so I, I hated it if I came in and the music was out of tune and the singing was out of tune. And it was all out of tune, you know. And I, and, and I came that night and, and it was kind of like, Lord, the best you could say was it was a joyful noise, you know. And, and, and I, I, I sat there and I said, Lord, really, you know, I just... Help me, Jesus. You know, I just, I just got my, I had to get my eyes on the Lord and forget about the music. But um, anyway, the thing is, I'll tell you, there's a reason why I'm telling you that. And it's this, is I was in the middle of preaching, and I was actually preaching on, uh, on this passage, on Mark 5, but also on Mark 10, about blind Bartimaeus. And what you see, both in this account of the woman with the issue of blood and with blind Bartimaeus, is that with both of them, they were determined to receive from Jesus. Their faith was such that it wouldn't take no for an answer. Now, I'm in the middle of preaching, and this is the only time this has ever happened in my life. I'm in the middle of preaching in a reserved English church, and suddenly, this guy in his sort of like late 50s, early 60s, gets up from the middle of the road, walks down the front, stands in front of me, takes off, he has hearing aids in both ears, takes them both off, puts them in his hand, puts them in front of me and says this to me, I am fed up of these hearing aids. I want to be healed. I looked at him, I said to him, I like your attitude. <laughs> so I said, come on, let's pray. So in front of everybody, I put my hands in, I prayed. Now we see the Lord open a lot of deaf ears. So I, I was really expectant for him to be instantly healed. I put my hands in him, I command to him. Now they weren't instantly healed. Now if it doesn't happen instantly like that, you know, you, you've got to do something in your faith to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We must learn to intelligently cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So I just said to him, you know, the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So I said to him at this time, I said, look, 
Uh, I asked him how he was, but before, when I said it, by the look on him and everything else, and I just tested it, I knew he wasn't instantly healed. But that doesn't mean the healing process hasn't started. So, so then the last thing you want is for him then to use his confession to nullify what God's doing. Because the word confession comes from the Greek legal system, and it means to sign a contract. And we all say that it means to agree to say the same thing. That's true. But the background is the legal side of it, which means to sign a contract. And so we have to be careful of the words we say. And so I, I asked him, how is it? And, and I knew he was going to say, say better. So I, said, I said, don't say it. <laughs> I said, why don't you just get down on your knees and worship Jesus? I'll be with you. And as the anointing gets stronger, I'll be with you in a minute. So I went on and I carried on ministering. Well, uh, you know, by that time, everything was interrupted. So I thought, I thought I might as well give the appeal now. So I gave the appeal then and people got saved. And then I started to pray for people. Lots of people started to come forward for prayer. I'm ministering to them. In all honesty, I totally forgot about this guy. And it went on for an hour and 20 minutes. And he's down there on his knees worshiping. So uh, after a bit, you know, I'm over here and I suddenly thought, oh, no, I've, I've forgotten. About, I, I suddenly turned, there he is. And he's worshiping. I thought, I forgot about that man. I better... You know, well, so I, I turn around, and by this time, half the building has emptied. And uh, so I go over to, but by this time, his, his, there are tears pouring down his face, and he's just lost in worship, presence of God tangibly on him. I thought, I'm going to go down there with him. So I got down on my knees, we worship together. As we worship together, I can feel the spirit like an invisible rain falling on him. I thought, now's the moment. So I reach up, touch his ears. I said, be opened in Jesus' name. At that moment, he can hear perfectly, and I'll never forget it because the first thing he said and here was the point about the music the moment his ears are open he suddenly looks at it and he beams and says oh that beautiful music <laughs> and I come out well <laughs> I guess if you haven't heard anything for a while anything's got to be good you know but but the wonderful thing is this is that three months later I, I got a letter from his wife saying this that he had been back to the specialist and little did I know, but that three months before that night, uh, you know, the doctors had said to him that his, his hearing was so bad, they couldn't do anything more for him. And that if he didn't get any better within three months, he'd just be stone deaf for the rest of his life. And that was it. But then after prayer, he'd gone back to the specialist, had done all the tests done, and he was confirmed 100% perfect hearing in both ears. And it's just wonderful. That's our Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful miracle. Well... One of the most encouraging realities about God's promises to us is that they are for everyone. They really are for everyone. Let's just remind ourselves with a few scriptures. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many is all? All. That's got to include everybody here today. You know, whether you've lived the kind of life that, that would make a sailor blush, or whether you've lived the kind of life where you feel that, you know, you were, you know you're, you're, you're doing pretty good, and you lived a good life, but you just didn't know Jesus. And you, didn't know, you know, I, I can just, let me tell you something. You can always tell in a congregation between those who really know what they've been saved from and those who just kind of feel that they lived a pretty decent life, but they just needed a bit of insurance for eternity. <laughs> Because the people who really know what they've been saved from, they're the ones who are the absolute rabid worshippers. But the other people who think actually, well, you know, the Lord was quite, you know, 
It, it was good for him to get me into the kingdom, you know. So, you know. Those kind of people, they don't really enter into worship with real rabid hearts, you know. They, but let me tell you, you know, if someone's going to swim across the British Channel, the English Channel, you know, whether they're someone who can only swim 100 meters and then they go glug, 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 or whether they're an Olympic swimmer and they can swim 15 miles, but then they go glug, 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 whether it's 15 miles or, or, or 100 meters, really it doesn't make any difference. They're both going glug, glug, glug. <laughs> we all need salvation. But all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise for all. In James 5.14, if anyone is sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Everyone, here we are, Matthew 7 verse 8, everyone, got to give you the Greek here, everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. Everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking, to him the door will be opened. And everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find. All, anyone, everyone. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? How encouraging is that? And one of the things about faith for believers, let me say for a moment, even if you don't know Jesus today, you already have a certain faith, a natural faith that God gave you to live with. You may not know that God gave it to you, but God did give it to you. I didn't see anyone coming to the church today, and before you sat on the chair, examine the chair. Before you sat on it, you sat in it with full expectation that it would hold you up. I don't know if you've ever sat down in, a, in a, a chair in a church or a restaurant and hit the floor. It's happened to me once or twice. It's a bit embarrassing. But, but, uh, but you know, the thing is, is that there is a natural faith that they say, even psychologists say, that all breakdowns, nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns, they, they swirl around a center of fear. Which is why when you get rid of the fear by the love of God and by faith, then, then the mental issues and the emotional issues come down into peace, into wholeness. And so it's so important you know that you're loved by God the Father. It's not a passive love, but an active love. And number two, also that you put your faith in Him, that His Word is truth. It's ultimate authority. It's the truth about everything. Amen? When you stand on the Word of God, it changes everything. It's interesting that the Greek word um, for heresy, literally at its root, means to have an opinion. <laughs> to have an opinion. You know, sometimes people say to me uh, out on the streets, particularly about things like LGBT or things like that. You know, we do, I don't know what you have in South Africa, but in England we have some people who deliberately, you know, go for the preachers on the streets, you know, and, and, uh, and ask the questions. Uh, and they'll say, always say to me, well, what's your opinion about LGBT? I say to you, know, quite frankly, my opinion died years ago. I said, I, I really don't care about my opinion. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't really care about yours. I, I, I said, I, I, don't, I don't mean that negatively. I love you and everything else. I said, but really your opinion and mine will die with us. It's not going to change the world. Well, I said, but that's what the Word of God says. He's the creator. He's the ultimate authority. So if you'd like to know some scriptures about this, I'd be glad to give them to you. But I'm really not interested to tell you about my opinion because it doesn't count for much. And, that's the, and the scripture says your word is truth. Your word is truth. And knowing the truth sets you free. 
Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is a fundamental issue because until we settle the issue that the Bible is the truth, that God's Word is the truth, that it's absolute and authoritative about every issue of life, until we settle that, we're always going to have a problem with faith. Because faith is rooted in the authority of God and the authority of God's Word. Because circumstances come and go. Feelings come and go, but the Word of God is eternal and solid, and you build your life on it. Amen? And if you build your life on it by hearing it, obeying it, observing it, trusting God's promises to you, if you stand on that, you will never be a human being who is subject to feelings, emotions, winds of change, and worried about what the economy is doing, and worried about what's happening about this and the other, because you stand on a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Glory to God. To look about faith, Ephesians 2 verse 6 to 8 tells us that we've been saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so thank God when we invite Christ into our lives, God puts faith into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and by His Word. Romans 12 verse 3 says that for all believers... Not only have we been given faith in a general sense, saving faith, but we also all have a measure of faith that is in line with his calling on our lives. So God gives faith to each one for what he calls them to do. And actually in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church and he told them that their faith grows exceedingly. So faith is like a muscle. Your faith grows you know, if you want to build muscle, you've got to feed it with some good protein and you've got to exercise. That's a really good illustration of, about the, how to build faith spiritually. If you want to build faith spiritually, you need to feed it on a good, healthy diet of the Word of God, of the promises of God, of the testimonies of God, and you need to put it into action and step out by faith. And if you keep doing that, your faith will grow. And it will grow strong. Can I just, just encourage you, if you are a Christian who loves to look into theological controversy, it's all right. If you want to do that, it's fine, but you'll never have much strong faith for much doing that. It's okay, but it doesn't produce miracles. It's all right to have an inquisitive mind, but it doesn't produce miracles. If you want miracles, you have to build faith, and build, building faith doesn't come by examining controversies. Make the main thing the main thing. Keep lifting up Jesus. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep healing the sick. Keep proclaiming the kingdom. You can spend a whole, waste a whole load of time on Christian controversies. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to say, now what did you believe about that particular aspect of theology? He's going to say, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was thirsty. Did you give me something to drink? Okay, but we all have faith. If you don't have faith today, get saved, and you will. <laughs> Romans 1.17 says we live by faith. Do you know that, that comes originally, that's of course the verse that fired off the Reformation. Amazing that the just shall live by faith. It's from Habakkuk 2.4. And in Hebrew, it, the phrase shall live is cheah, C-H-A-Y-A-H. It means this, it says the just shall live shall breathe, 
shall be animated and alive, shall recover health and live in happiness by faith. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? They shall live by faith. They shall breathe by faith. They'll recover health by faith. They'll be animated and alive. They'll be active. And Margaret, do you know the happiest people I meet are people who are in faith? It's true. Who face life in faith. They have an active, and, and, and by the way, can I just say, because I know sometimes in South Africa, sometimes people get a little bit concerned. They think, you know, you're talking about the faith movement. Now, personally, I've been very blessed by some of the stuff from the faith movement, but I can just say this for a minute. At the end of the day, you have to examine everything by this book. If it's in the book, believe it. If it's not in the book, don't believe it. I can tell you, everything I'm telling you today is direct from here. But still examine what I have to say <laughs> and believe this. But the Scripture is very clear on it. And, you know, if you want to be a, yes, a happy, fiery believer, you want to be feeding your faith. 1 John 5 verse 9 says that we overcome the world by faith. We overcome the world by faith. Well, John defines the world as the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But when you are in faith, and you know that your Father will meet all of your needs. Your Father will bless you. Your Father will provide for you. That everything that's in your Father's heart for you is good. When it's like that, you know, some, some people think that they've got a real problem with covetousness. Actually, they've got a problem with unbelief. Because they have a view of God that He doesn't really want to bless them. He doesn't want to do them good. He wants to either kind of tie Christianity and poverty together with a very small rope. And even if God is almighty and provide, I don't think he'll provide for me because I've not always lived a perfect life. And Well, join the club. Is there anybody there? Who, anyone here this morning who has lived a perfect life? Can we see? Isn't it by grace that we're saved? Isn't it by the blood that we stand before God? Amen? So, brothers and sisters, this is really important. When you're in faith and you have faith in your Father and in His love and His abundant provision and the fact that He will satisfy your heart, you realize that suddenly all of that other stuff starts to lose its grip on you. And the fear and all the rest of it. My goodness, thank God. By faith we overcome the world. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says it is the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. How powerful is that? The shield of faith, he says, above all or over all, taking the shield of faith which quenches how many fiery darts? All the fiery darts. So therefore, if you go into an area where there's a lot of witchcraft, let me ask you right now at that moment, what's more powerful, the witchcraft or the shield of faith? The shield of faith. It'll quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Do we need to examine the fiery dart in order for it to be extinguished? <laughs> No, what we need to do is to have strong faith. Because faith will quench it. It's not examining the dart that will quench it. It's faith that will quench it. What are we believing? Fear is believing something. When you get into fear about something, you are believing something. Often for me, that helps me. I look and think now, Hannah, I, I'm feeling anxious about, about this. What, what is this? Why, why do I feel anxious about that? What am I believing right now? So I come back to the God's promises. What does God say about that? 
And then when I settle my heart on what God says about that, it's going to be all right. I pray that promise back to God, and then peace comes and faith comes. It's dealt with, and the anxiety is gone. Anxiety in Greek literally means to divide the mind, to divide the mind. That's powerful, isn't it? So that means, like, well, what if this and what if that? What if that happens and what if this happens? And eventually what happens is that that starts to drain your emotional energy, and that's what we call depression, because anxiety in the heart causes depression, Proverbs says. So when people say to me, I, I'm depressed, I always say, what are you anxious about? Sometimes it is a, a chemical thing, but more often than not, it's actually that there's an anxiety about something. But when we come single-mindedly on the promise of God, anxiety goes. And we stand in faith, and faith releases us. So look, here's the thing. God shows no favoritism. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's read here about this woman and how she came in faith. And over the next 15, 20 minutes, I just want to share some simple principles of faith and how she came to Jesus in faith. And then we're going to take a time of ministry where I believe that the things that the Spirit of God has been putting His finger on this morning, the Holy Spirit's going to draw near to us as His body this morning, and He's going to break off chains. He's going to heal broken hearts. He's going to set people free, and He's going to release you out of that history into your destiny. Amen? So you enter into what God has for you. Let's read it. Mark chapter 5, 25 to 34. Jesus is actually on his way to raise Jairus' daughter uh, from the dead. He wasn't actually looking for this woman. This is one of the most encouraging aspects of this account, of this miracle. Jesus was not looking for the woman with the issue of blood. She was looking for him. She was the one actually here who took the initiative. And so we find it says, now, it says, verse 25, Now a certain woman, there's a great multitude who are thronging around Jesus. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. This is hemorrhages. I was preaching in Mexico, and every time I mentioned the woman who had hemorrhages, the whole congregation would break out in hysterics. And I, and I thought, well, it's not that funny, you know, really. And, and uh, until eventually the pastor's wife, and it was the pastor who was interpreting from, Mex from English into Mexican, until she shouts out from the crowd, she says, hemorrhages, not hemorrhoids. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, but I thought either way... <laughs> If you've got either condition, you want to be healed of it. And they're both. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself, see the two immediately, this is one of Mark's favorite phrases, immediately. But immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, she felt in her body she was healed. Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? But he looked around to see her who had done this thing. 
But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Glory to God. Well, let's look at these simple points here. Five points about how she came in faith and received a breakthrough, a miracle from Jesus. Well, the first thing, of course, is that she heard. She heard about Jesus. And what you hear about Jesus is so important because it determines what you expect from Jesus. If you, exp- you, know, if you hear about Jesus, that he is a wonderful Savior, but that he saves you initially, but he's not going to save you to the uttermost, then it means you rejoice in your salvation initially, but then you live the rest of your Christian life in fear that if you make a mistake or you sin in some way, that actually you're going to be thrown out you know, uh, on that final day. And so you live this kind of fear relationship with God. And in, the, in, the, in New Testament Greek, there's even two different words for fear. One of them is fear that speaks of terror, and another one is fear that speaks of respect. Now, I don't like poisonous snakes. I'm not afraid of poisonous snakes in the sense of terror, but I do respect them. (laughs) You understand the difference? (laughs) A Christian should never suffer from the fear of the Lord as in the terror of the Lord. In fact, the Scripture says, if we do, we are not made perfect in love because perfect love drives out all fear, and God is love. But the fear of the Lord that is respect towards God, we should all have that. Amen? So this is the thing. He's the one who will save you in the immediate, the moment you call on his name. He'll continue to save you, and he'll save you to the uttermost. It's like Reinhard Bonke used to say, who wants to get on a plane where the pilot doesn't know where you're going to (laughs) land? Very true. It's wonderful to know he gives the Spirit as a pledge, guaranteeing what is to come. In Greek, the word guarantee is a double lock. The one who knows the end from the beginning sees all the way, everything you'll ever do in the whole of your life and all the way into eternity. And he gives you the Spirit as the deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. Glory to God. Well, if you believe he's the Savior and you rejoice in your salvation, but you don't know he's your healer, you may trust him for salvation, but not for healing. If you know he's your healer, but you don't know he's your provider, you may trust him for healing, but you're terrified about the end of the month all the time, whether there'll be enough money to pay the bills. But he's your provider. If you know he's your savior, your healer, your provider, that's wonderful. But you may not know that he's your shepherd, your protector, and so you go around all the time looking over your shoulder instead of living in peace in his protection. There are so many different aspects about the Lord. What you hear about Jesus it's so important. You may even know that he's the healer, but, but the thought that, well, he heals somebody, doesn't heal others, and I, I don't know really whether I qualify and, and all of that, and have I crossed every T and have I dotted every I, and so we bring the healing that was a grace thing in the new covenant under, back under the old covenant. We make sure that we try and have we earned it enough? Have we? My goodness me. Wow. I can remember a dear lady who uh, we used to be on our team, and she was desperate to get free. She had some issues in her life. She met an American ministry who were deeply into dealing with the sins of the fathers. And I remember that, uh, you know, first she found it helpful. 
And they prayed over some things that were related to her mom and her dad. And they started praying over things over the granddad and the grandma. And then they went back, and back, 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 back. Eventually, she gets to a place where she feels suicidal. There's so much stuff that she doesn't know about her life, and it's so unstable. And, and if I can't get that hidden key, it's going to destroy my life because I'll never be free until I get the hidden key. And uh, she said, I, I, she said, eventually, I, she said, I, I nearly put my head through a glass window to kill myself. This was a girl who was perfectly sound before all of that, and perfectly holding her mind. And you said, used to minister deliverance to others. I, 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 I said to her, I, I said, how far did this go? She said, well, I, I asked him that question in counseling. I said, how, how far does this go? And he, he looked at me and said, oh, it goes all the way back to Adam. <laughs> I said, well, I thought you would have clicked in. That's why Jesus is the last Adam and the second man. Incidentally, he's not the second Adam. I know I'm not being pedantic, but Jesus is not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. Amen? And he's the second man. He died as the last Adam of the old sin-dominated order. He rose from the dead as the second man, the beginning of the new creation of God. That we are part of as new creations in Christ. Our old man died in him. That's why Paul said to Timothy, he forbade him to, to preach and get into genealogies. Because the goal of the commandment was faith and love from a sincere heart. Anyway, didn't intend to get into that. But here's the thing. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. That changes everything. She's in a hopeless situation under the law of Moses at the time. She's not allowed to be in a public place, but she is desperate to be healed. Someone tells her about Jesus. We know that because two chapters earlier in Mark chapter 3 verse 10, it tells us that people were touching Jesus and everyone who touched him or touched his clothes got healed. Someone must have told her that there's a man called Jesus. She wouldn't have known it was Mark chapter 3 verse 10, but there's a man called Jesus. And everyone who was touching was getting healed. And she's sitting there meditating or thinking about it until eventually faith gets conceived in her heart. And it motivates her to get up and to go out into the crowd and find this Jesus. And she presses through the crowd. And, of course, she gets healed. But she hears faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And Jesus is God's will expressed. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He never refused to heal anyone. He never refused to heal anyone who came to him. In simple faith, and we know it sounds very simple, and it is really. Jesus healed in many different ways, but primarily there were people who came to Jesus, and there, was, there were people who came to him. As you know, you can come to him in faith for a breakthrough, whether it's physical, emotional, material, relational, but come to him in faith today and let the Lord give you a breakthrough. I'll I never forget back in 2005, in August the 23rd, it was actually when Hurricane Katrina hit America. Before it hit America and Florida, it actually hit Mexico. I was 34,000 feet up in the air on my way to do a mission in Mexico when that hurricane hit. And I can remember that plane was going all over the place and my prayer life was rapidly increasing. 
Eventually, we landed. The pilot said, uh, he, he said to, came across the tannoy and said, uh, you know, there's a hurricane out there and it's too strong. We've either got to go back to, uh, you know, we're going to have to land across on the other side of the mountains and, uh, you know, or... Uh, and we can drop you off there, and you'll have to find your own way over the mountains to the city where we're supposed to be going. He said, or I can uh, fly you back to Mexico City, and we'll come back here tomorrow morning. The choice is yours. He said, and please be warned. He says that if you stay here and you go over the mountains, the mountains are full of bandits, and they'll kill you if they find you. Anyway, I turned to my team. I said, guys, I got peace in my heart. I, I don't believe any bandit's going to kill me. I said, what about you? I said, well, we've got peace too. I said, good, let's get out. So we, we got out and we found a taxi driver who would take us, you know, for a few pesos. And, uh, uh, and then we got over the mountain. We were fine. When we landed in Tuxla in the city, when we finally got over there. Water was going down the streets like this. You know, when the, there are houses that are wrecked, destroyed by the hurricane, and there's trees down and pylons and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we were in this huge uh, basketball stadium, and there were supposed to be thousands. There was only 600 there that night uh, because of the storm. But I can remember after I gave the appeal for salvation and uh, people start getting healed, suddenly the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, there's, there's a, a young lad here, and he has, a, uh, he has one leg shorter than the other. Tell him to step out right now, and I'll lengthen his leg. And I heard that on the inside. So I suddenly said, there's a young man here. You've got one leg shorter than the other. Step out, and God's going to lengthen your leg. Suddenly I see there's a guy there. Where they're doing videoing of everything, and there's a guy there with a big video camera, and it's a tall stage, and he's over here on the right side and he's going like this filming something so I went to the side there and I also had a look and I, and I looked down there and I see a mother and she has a nine-year-old boy and you can see this nine-year-old boy the leg is twisted like this it goes in and out and it's, a, it's up like this and she has taken off this big built-up shoe that also has metal rods and, and leather straps and she's taken that off him and he's balancing on one leg like this and she's saying to him come Come, come to me. And I'm watching to see what happens. And this little boy just suddenly goes, and as he goes, looking like he's going to fall, as he goes like this, suddenly the leg went straightened out and grew straight out like this. And he just jumped and he ran around the place, jumping and jumping and praising God. Anyway, she comes up to the front and she brings a little boy who is just running like mad everywhere. And the mother is tears pouring down the cheeks. And this is what she says. She says, I would, we live on the other side of the city. And we knew that the hurricane came and, and everything else. She said, but she said, you know, I have crossed over rivers. We have, you know, I've climbed over fallen trees to get here. She said, you know, when years ago I used to love the Lord. She said, but I was desperate to be married. I married a non-Christian guy. He said he would go to church with me. It's the old, old story. And then he didn't, you know, after we got married. A few years went by. We thought, well, if we had kids together, it would make things better. So he said, we had our little boy, and at first things seemed to be okay. But then he kept tripping over, and we found he had a wasting disease in his right hip. And so that leg stopped growing, and then it started to twist. She said, and it sounded just like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, we spent everything that we had, but he only got worse. And she said, and then in this hopeless situation, in the middle of the hurricane, I heard the radio adverts. There's a miracle service taking place in the basketball stadium tonight, 6.30. Come along. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, for miracles expected. She said, I said to my husband, I'm going to get our boy over there no matter what it takes. And if he heals him, I will give my life back to Jesus as long as I live. And there in front of, you know, all of these people, she gave her life back to Jesus. And it was beautiful. But she heard something that changed her destiny. 
She didn't only hear it, she acted on it, and it changed everything. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. She heard. Number two, she knew. She became convinced and assured in her heart as she thought about the report she heard of Jesus. Sometimes faith comes into your heart immediately. Sometimes the Holy Spirit deposits a gift of faith into your heart and just know that you know that you know it's going to happen. Other times, faith grows as a process in your heart. She became convinced enough to believe in a better outcome. Just like Abraham grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And thus he became, he hoped against all natural hope. He hoped on the grounds of God's promise and he believed and grew strong in his faith. And thus he became a father of many nations. Her inner perspective, her inner vision and expectation changed as she meditated on the testimony of Jesus. And that can happen to all of us. I got healed of malaria that way. I actually recently got healed of COVID that way. In the first wave of COVID, I got COVID. And, uh, I, and I really, I picked it up from a pastor, a pastor who, who died about uh, 10 days later. We were I was doing a mission with him. I didn't know he was unwell at the time. And, and it was at the time before anybody really knew much about COVID. It was in this first wave. And we were doing a mission there. He was a big guy, very overweight and all kinds of issues. And anyway, the thing is, is that he took me out on the last day for a Chinese meal. We're sitting at the restaurant together. We're talking and, you know, of course, he's breathing all over me as he's talking and all the rest of this thing. And he died 10 days later. I go home. And five days later, I'm not feeling well, really not well. And, uh, and I get back, and I, and I just realized by that time, the NHS in, in England was saying, right, you have to separate from the household and all this kind of stuff. So I was living in the cabin outside the house, you know, and I set up a little bed in there. And my wife was bringing me meals, and I was slipping into the house to get bits and bobs when she didn't see me. <laughs> And I was going, but I thought, this is serious. I could realize this, this thing was starting to, to come to affect my lungs and my breathing. And I could feel that fear was, trying, was drawing near at that moment. And I thought, right. I thought, I know where I need to go when I need help. And I, I got out the scriptures, the healing scriptures. And I, began, I, and I just began to meditate them and, and pray over them and speak them before the Lord. And, and out of that, I, I created a confession of faith based on the healing scriptures, renouncing COVID and renouncing the fear of it. And I kept declaring these and praying these before the Father. And I was just doing that repeatedly. And every time I would feel this, you know, a tightness or a bit of fear coming and all that kind of stuff, I would speak it out again and declare it and praise Him. And I would do it until I felt the Spirit come on the Word. Until I felt the Spirit come on the Word. And I'd keep doing that. And I did that for two days until after two days I'm in the middle of doing that. And suddenly something broke in my spirit. And I knew I had the healing on the inside. And over experience, whether it's been healing, material provision, or whatever it's been over the years, as I pray to that point over the promises of God, it breaks in your spirit first, and then the natural follows. And within, literally, well, within 24 hours after that, every symptom had gone, and I was totally healed. And I praise God. I was healed that way from malaria years ago. Thank God. I mean, people get healed by the gifts of the Spirit and sudden anointings and touches of the Spirit. But also there is healing in the Word. 
Derek Prince used to call it God's medicine bottle. <laughs> and this is what happened with this woman. She's meditating on the testimony of Jesus until faith comes into her heart. And she knew and became convinced and assured in her heart. Number three, she said something. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garments, I will be healed. She, in many ways, she set her own time for a miracle and the way that it would happen. I know this offends the mind sometimes, but she really did. And you know something? I, I think when people have really got faith for something in their heart, they can say things that sound outlandish to people who don't. <laughs> In my years training with the English evangelist uh, Don Double, he lived in Cornwall, right that, that, that southern southwestern tip of, uh, of the foot of England, as they call it. And there's a lot of farmers in Cornwall, and uh, they're very straight-talking characters, as most farmers are. And I can remember this farmer turning up in this real country. We're right out in the rurals in the country. And he turned up in this small church where we were, where we were ministering, and it was in the days when, you know, you, could, you didn't have phones that did videos. But he came in and he had a friend of his who had one of these huge big cameras that you used to stick a VHS video into. You remember VHS videos like this, big things like this. And he came in like this and the farmer had a big built-up shoe, one leg shorter than the other. And so he walked in like this and um, he's a southwestern guy. So he's got a real southwestern drawl. And he comes up to Don and... Uh, and, and Don can see his friend coming there with a big video camera. And he looks at him and he says, what are you doing with the video camera? And he said, well, me handsome, which is the way they talk down there. <laughs> well, me handsome, he said, oh, he come to video it. He said, I got one leg short than the other. And he said, and when you pray for me, Jesus is going to lengthen it. And I brought him to video it. So when the miracle happens, he said, then I'm going to show it to all my farmer friends and they'll get saved. But he was in faith, you see. He expected it. And so he came ready and prepared for his miracle. Amazing. But this is, this is the attitude of faith. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. That'll be it. Do you know, there is this place of faith where you know it's going to happen. As you come in faith, expectant. Very often when we pray for people, they come and you can see it in the eyes. They're expectant. They know this is my moment. Glory to God. I had it in, a, in one of our house sales a, a, a number of years ago now, about 10 years ago. And it was a time of recession in England. And the, the era we were living in, no houses had sold for two years. And yet we knew God was calling us to leave that area and to move. I invited the, uh, the estate agent round. He looked around the house, and this is what he said to me at the end. He said, Mr. Conrath, he said, it's good to see your house and all the rest of it. He said, you are aware we're in a recession? I said, yes, I am aware. You are aware that nothing has sold in this area for two years? I said, yes, I'm aware. He said, look, I want to say right now, so if you put the house up for what it's worth, he said, it won't sell probably for another year and a half. He said, if you sell it for about 25% less than what it's worth, you may sell it in about 12 months. And if you sell it for 50% of what it's worth, you'll probably sell it in six months' time. So he said, I just need to say to you, he says, that's the way it is. 
I said to him, I come from a family of lawyers and estate agents, and you and I both know that when somebody comes in, they immediately take 10% off the asking price. So I said, I tell you what, I'm going to, um, I'm going to put it up for 10% more than what it's worth. Uh, but the thing is, the Lord had dropped a word in my heart. I had faith in my heart that the house would sell in seven days. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to put the house up on the market, and it'll be gone in seven days. She said, how do you know? I said, well, I just know. I've got it in prayer. I've got it in my heart. And so I said to the estate agent, just put it up there for 10% more than what it's worth. And he said, with all due respect, so he said, that's estate agency kamikaze. I said to him, listen, just do it. I said, it'll sell, and it'll sell quick. He said, how do you know? I said, I've got inside information. <laughs> he said, what do you mean by that? I said, you'll find out. <laughs> do you know it sold in six days? And it sold for 2000 less than the asking price. And we were on our way. But you see, there is that place of coming to where we have faith. Glory to God. She heard, she knew, she said. Number four, she did something. Faith without corresponding action is dead. We need to speak our faith. Faith is voice activated, if you like. Jesus spoke commands of faith, but he also tells us to get up and walk, to stretch out our hand, to lay hands on the sick. We need to act in faith. Faith without corresponding action is dead, James 2, 17. Last of all, she received her miracle. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Can I say that not all healing, not all miracles are instant. Some are progressive. We inherit the promises by faith and patience. Patience is the ability to keep persevering, believing the same thing, believing the promise of God, regardless of the evidence of the senses, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the feelings, continuing to believe, continuing to thank God and trust him like that. And I, I can uh, kind of close with this testimony, but in the early years of my ministry, I can remember ministering again. It was in the south, southwest of England and in a place called Taunton. And at the end of a meeting, I was very tired and uh, been a very busy few weeks. And I had only really done this meeting as a favor for a fellow evangelist. And uh, it was in a local community hall. It was right at the end of the meeting. I was ready to get in my car and go home. And then suddenly they brought in the back a woman in a large paraplegic wheelchair, one of these big ones, big padded wheelchairs. And I, I'm not being uh, mean or anything. I'm just describing what she looked at her. You know, she was born with cerebral palsy. And so she had twisted arms like this and her legs were all twisted and her face was contorted. She couldn't smile. She couldn't do anything like this. So they said, would you pray for our friend? I said, okay. I didn't feel a thing. And when she came in, to be honest, I didn't have great gushings of faith rising in my heart as I, as I looked at her. But anyway, I went up to her, and her hand was this. Her left hand was like this, and she was twisted up. And I, so I put my hand on that hand, and I started to pray. I'm rebuking cerebral palsy. I'm commanding healing in the name of Jesus. Well, as I'm doing this, I felt nothing for about five minutes, but I persevered. And about five minutes in, suddenly this hand gets hot, and the gift of healing is starting to manifest. Sometimes you've got to just act on 
cold faith, as it were, just objectively on the promises. And then the Spirit manifests. And, and so suddenly she can, she's feeling, I, I said, what's going on there like this? And she kind of says, you know, with her, her mouth kind of twisted, like she, she said, I, I feel heat, heat, I feel heat. So I said, okay. And, uh, and I could feel heat going into this hand. So I said to her, I said, start to try and move that, move that hand. And then suddenly while she's going like this, suddenly the hand just went like that and just came free. I said, that's wonderful. That's a good beginning. I said, start to move your arm. Well, then she was going like this for a few minutes, and then suddenly the arm came free. And so this, this is like this. And the next thing that happened was that her face suddenly went normal, and she looked at me and smiled. Now, that's as far as it went that night. So the rest of her is still all twisted up, but the hand is free, the arm is free, and the face is free. Now, you know what God starts, he completes. So, you know, you want to then just keep watering it, like watering a seed that's sown with thanksgiving and praise and encouraging them to keep doing what they couldn't do before. And so I encourage her to do that. Well, three months went by, I didn't hear anything. Uh, and then uh, uh, eventually, this evangelist friend of mine phones me up and says, John, uh, uh, did you know your name's in the Western Chronicle, a newspaper down there? So I said, no. I, I said, uh, what have I done now? You know. And he said to me, well, you know that woman you prayed for? He said he was in that for cerebral palsy at the meeting. I said, yes. He said, she's just won a horse riding competition. I said, she's what? <laughs> he said, she's won a horse riding competition. She said, she kept moving and kept doing everything. And, and you know, she said, uh, uh, you know, I, I wasn't long. It just day by day by day, every time she thanked the Lord, her, her, the, you know, different limbs and everything came straight and came normal. And, and she'd always had this dream to ride horses. And she had, had such a dream about it, she learned very, very quickly. And she entered this competition and she's won it. And he says, it's amazing. And well, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. I know we've referred to this as talking about healing because this is the context of the woman with the issue of blood. But the truth is the same principles that apply for healing apply for every area of life. We hear and we receive the word until it creates faith in us. We meditate on it. We perceive it changes our inner expectation and perception of, of reality. We start to see things as God sees them. We start to speak differently. And I don't know about you, but I find this. When I get into faith for something and really faith starts to get conceived, even just without trying, I start talking about it. <laughs> Is anybody else like that? I, I, I do. I just start talking about it. Do you know, it's going to be great. This is what's going to happen. And, blah, blah, blah. and it's, all, it's all coming out because of my expectation. It's in my heart. And I know it's going to happen. And it comes to a place of knowing. And then it comes to a place where you step out. And then it starts to happen. And the breakthrough comes. Some of you have been believing the Lord for breakthrough in your family. Some of you for breakthrough in your emotions and, and in your mind. Some of you have been looking for breakthrough in your marriage. Some of you are looking for freedom in areas of your life. And actually, for some of you, in for freedom from drugs and stuff like that, particularly in the lives of those who are related to you. Some of you here are believing for a physical miracle. Others of you are looking for God to break through financially. There is someone here today, you are literally at the point of seriously contemplating closing your business down. It's been so tough. But the Lord is speaking to you. 
about breakthrough, and that this is the time for you to believe. I know it doesn't seem to make any sense in the world to sow when it seems like there's nothing there. But let me tell you, he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. You've got to be a sower to receive seed to sow. So set your heart today to be a sower, a giver, and God will give you something to give. And then sow it and trust him and watch what he does. He's going to give you breakthrough. Guys, we serve a God of breakthrough. And the greatest breakthrough of all that we all need is salvation. There is forgiveness of sins. There is transformation of life. And it all begins by receiving Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. There is no other name by which we can be saved. As Zan was so beautifully sharing with us earlier, there is no other name by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He's risen from the dead. He's here today, and he's only a prayer away. And so I want to take a few moments before we pray about anything else to give you the opportunity, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've been away from the Lord, and you prayed years ago to give your life to Jesus, but you know today that you're not where you should be, and you want to come back to the Lord with all of your heart. He's waiting for you with open arms. Why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God together for a few moments here. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you're here. And you are the same, Lord, yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I pray that you would at this moment draw near to each and every person. Lord, especially those who need to give their life to you for a first time or to recommit their lives to you. So right now, we're just going to pray a prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, or if you've been away from the Lord, pray this prayer after me. And those who are already walking with Jesus, please pray the prayer too to support them. But let's say this together, line by line. Let's pray it. Let's mean it. Let's say it out to the Lord. Make it personal. Make the prayer your own. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. Let's say this together to him right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose again from the dead. Lord, I give you my life. I turn from my sin. And I put my faith in you. Thank you that you love me. I acknowledge Jesus is Lord. So come and save me. Come into my heart. Change me. And make me the person you created me to be. I will love you and serve you as long as I live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, without anybody else looking around at this moment, just for a few moments, guys, look, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. This is something we need to do publicly. Christ called all his disciples publicly. He died publicly. He's calling you publicly today. And so I'm going to count down to three. And if you prayed that prayer for a first time, or you prayed it to recommit your life to Jesus, when I get to the number three, that's your signal to do this. Just raise your hand right up high.
Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Just put it right up. If there's anybody like that today, God bless you, love, over there. God bless you over there, dear. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? You're saying, yes, I want the Lord in my life. Anybody else here who needs to give your life to the Lord for the first time or recommitment of your life? You prayed it, and you're saying, yes, I want him in my heart. Anybody else like that? Quickly raise your hand and join these other two this morning. Okay, God bless you. Great. Can you put your hand up again just for those two who are there? Okay, that's wonderful. Can I just have a, a sister to come and pray for this last over here? Wonderful. Thank you very much. And where's the, the other lady over here? Can I have a, a sister to come pray for this lass here, please? He's got a hand up. That's wonderful. God bless you. That's tremendous. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. That's great. Holy Spirit, come. I want to just have the worship team back for a moment. I don't know what timing is like, but look, uh, I'm just going to say this. We need to see through what the Spirit of God started earlier in the meeting. Now, I know in my heart there are plenty of people here today. Felt it from the early this morning in prayer, and it was all confirmed in the meeting. There are people here today who need to make a decision to draw near to Jesus and let him into that area that is really wounded, that's hurting, or where there is shame or there is fear, anxiety, perhaps bitterness because of pain. Let me say to you today that some of us need to make a choice to forgive. Christ died not only for our sins, but even for the sins committed against us. And that's why the cross is the only basis of healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Can you accept the blood of Jesus as the price paid for the abuse that you suffered or that that loved one suffered? Can you accept that? I can remember praying for a young woman in Argentina who all of her joints twisted up with pain. She was only in her early 30s. But she had been abused and raped, and her daughter too. And then this man took her daughter, kidnapped her, murdered her. Then she went looking for help in a Catholic church, and the priest raped her. It was a horrendous, hard to hear that kind of stuff. And when you do hear that kind of stuff, you just need to give them time to talk and listen. All I could do is say to her, listen, um, as somebody representing the church, can you ever forgive us? I don't know even if that man ever knew Jesus. And to be honest with you, the scripture says that a man who continues in sin has neither seen him nor known him. I highly doubt this man ever knew Christ, even if he wore all the religious garb. You tell a tree by its fruit. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, but can you accept Jesus' blood as the price paid for these awful sins against you and your daughter? She said, I need to take some time. I said, please do. Just 
I've got lots of people to pray for. Just take a side over there. And when you're ready, come back to me. I'll wait for you. Half an hour later, she came back. And she said to me, I've made the choice to forgive. This was really deep stuff. After she forgave, I put my arm around her in an appropriate way on the side here just to support her. She began to speak out forgiveness and receive Jesus' blood as the full price paid for those sins. She also repented of her own bitterness. She gave her life back to Jesus. She used to follow the Lord years ago, but had gone away from Him. Gave her life back to the Lord. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Starts to speak in tongues. This is all happening in a park in Argentina. I got my hand, my arm around her. I'm watching as she forgives and she had twisted hands and with all knotted joints when she came to me and her eyes were full of pain. But I'm holding her and as she's forgiving, I can feel this heat of God's power coming out of my hand, going into her body. I didn't pray for a healing once, but out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching her hands as she's forgiving and I can feel this heat going into her and her hands are just going click, 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 click. And all of the... All of the lumps disappeared off her hands. I remember when she finished, she looked up at me, and I looked at her. I saw the torment was gone from her eyes, and I said to her, how are you doing? She said to me, I feel amazing. I feel amazing. I said, that's wonderful. And even though I knew what had happened to her hands, I said, tell me about your hands. How are you doing? She looked, she said, I'm healed. I'm healed. I said, that's wonderful. And that's Jesus. And I, by this time, there was a whole crowd that gathered around to see what had happened. And, and suddenly I had a long queue. And I was only supposed to be there for half an hour to pray with people. We were there for two and a half hours praying for people. You know, this is Argentina for you. And anyway, I said to her, look, I'm really sorry. I'd love to spend more time with you. But there's a long queue I've got to pray for. I said, but you know what? Let me introduce you to this pastor. He's a great guy. They'll look after you, and they're a wonderful church. So I handed them over. I said, Maria, that was her name. It's lovely to meet you, and you have a wonderful future ahead of you. God bless you. She took 10 steps, then she stopped, and she looked back at me and said, Jonathan. I said, yes, Maria. She said, when I came to you, my heart was full of rage. She said, but now I feel amazing. I'm full of joy. I said, Maria, that's Jesus. Go and tell everybody how good the Lord has been to you. Do you know what Jesus did for Maria? He can do for you. So I'm going to say to you right now, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to ask you that if you need healing, inside or out, I'm going to ask you just to stand up right where you are. You need to forgive someone. You need healing. You need that restoration. I will restore. I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. I will restore those children you've been estranged from from years. I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. God is going to restore marriages. God is going to restore families. God is going to restore health. Finances that should have come to you years ago but were wrongly taken from you or never given to you. God is going to turn hearts with favor towards you. 
24 days before I came out here. I met a guy who's the head of a ministry, but on the side, he does a bit of business. He's a landlord. I turned up for a meeting with him and some other leaders. As I met him, I said, Richard, how are you doing? He said, John, it's terrible. He said, some of my tenants, he said, they're well beyond their time. They won't get out of the house. Uh, he said, I've got there. The police are trying to get involved. The courts, are, he said, the guy, they just say, you know, that's it. You know, no, we're not leaving. Take me to court if you want, but we're not going. And he said, it's terrible. We don't know what to do. We can't get them out. We need the money. Our bills are going down. You know, everything's going down. He said, it's in a desperate state. I don't know what to do. I've got to talk to lawyers and I don't have the money for it. I said, Richard, give me your hand. Let's pray. And I just began to pray with him for the Lord to turn the hearts of these people and everything to change. And I said, within one week, Richard, within one week, we declare this is going to happen in Jesus' name. He looked at me and kind of gave a sheepish amen. <laughs> and literally, the day before we flew out here, he phoned me up. He said, John, I just got to tell you this, and I got to be honest. When you took my hand and said, let's pray, Richard, he said, as you prayed, I kind of thought, Lord, not much chance of that. He said, within 24 hours, the agent phoned up and says, I don't understand this, Richard. He says, but the guy had suddenly phoned up and said, and said to me, listen, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. I've got to get out of this house and I've got to get out straight away. He says, we're leaving and we're leaving now. Tell the landlord. He said, the house is back. It's his. That's it. It's all over. And he said, God turned the whole thing around in 24 hours. There are people like that here where money has been withheld, where relationship has been withheld, where things have been broken, God is going to turn hearts around. Now guys, there is real power in our agreement. So what I'm going to ask right now is I'm going to ask the people who are standing around you right now, I'm going to ask everyone who is not standing to stand with them. And I want you to find someone to agree with. There is power in our agreement. So today, what I want you to do is I want you to tell the person. Tell the person. And if no one else comes to you, turn around and find someone who is also standing and stand with them. Tell each other what you are believing God for and agree together in faith for the change to come right now, today. This is it. This is the moment of change. And we're going to pray for one another today. We're going to pray for one another today. Please be honest. Share with the person next to you standing. Make sure that you've got someone with you. And we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit here to come and to bring restoration, to bring healing in this place this morning. Take a few moments to ask them what you're praying for. Take a few moments to ask them, what are we agreeing about? What are we praying for? Just do that right now, and then we're going to pray. Take a few moments. Tell them what you're praying for, what you're looking for Jesus to do right now. There are going to be a lot of miracles that come out of this this morning. Jesus, we thank you. 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 Sala va kushala va kala va nevi asu. 
God of the breakthrough, breakthrough. God of the breakthrough, breakthrough. God of the breakthrough, breakthrough. This is it, guys. Now's the time to pray. Go for it. Pray in faith. Pray what God puts in your heart. Push it out. Pray in the Spirit. Receive from the Lord answers and declare it over them. Pray what God puts in your heart for them. Pray for the breakthrough. Pray for release. Pray for restoration, this promise. He will restore the years that locusts has eaten. Pray it in faith. Pray with expectation. 